हे पॉडकास्ट व्हाट्सएप आई एम यू होस्ट सास्के ए के ऋषिकेश एंड एस्पायरिंग इन्वेस्टर एंड पॉडकास्टर ऑल ओवर फ्रॉम इंडिया आई होप यू ऑल आर डूइंग वेल इन टूडेज एपिसोड वी हैव अ वेरी स्पेशल गेस्ट ऑल ओवर फ्रॉम यू एस ए मिस निकोले डी मैजियर शी इज एन इन्वेस्टर एंड शी इज शी इज अल्सो आथर आई होप दिस एपिसोड विल ब्रिंग ए चर्न ऑफ वैल्यूट Now I will present you Miss Nicolette. Hi, how are you guys today? Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So, here's the first question I would like to ask. Ma'am, uh how how was your journey like uh how did you started it? Uh, what was the journey from Miss Nicolette to the investor? Uh are you from the investor uh, do you have the investorial investor background or you just started it or in college or something yeah so for me it was a long journey my parents don't work in the financial industry my mom is a teacher and my dad is an electrician so i went into business school not really knowing what i wanted to do and then i studied finance i was really lucky to have some great professors and mentors who helped me and encouraged me to go into investing overall So from there um I really worked hard to get into the investment industry and I've been working in it for about 4 years now. Uh, I work for Willis Towers Watson full time as an equity research associate and I am publishing my first children's book on investing this coming September via Kickstarter. So it was a long journey for me so when I was 18 and I first went off to college my My grandfather at the time, um he had a background in accounting and he helped me set up my first um brokerage account. So, he basically helped me set up the account and I had some money saved, so I put a a couple a couple everything that I basically had saved at the time that I wasn't using for school. Sorry. <laughs> Stumbled there. Um and I invested in Apple. Apple was my first stock ever and from there i was just instantly curious and asking questions and trying to understand prior financial crises so i really was fascinated by the 2008 financial crisis even though in 2008 i was in first grade so i was really young just to put into context so when i went to university i wanted to understand what had happened why it happened um what had happened to the stock market during that time and historically So that's where I got my feet wet in investing and at the time I would read the Wall Street Journal every day and that's when my habits started to form. From there I took a financial reporting and analysis class which basically teaches you how to apply the income statement, the balance sheet, the cash flow statement and value stocks. So that's where I really learned about diving into a company's annual report and quarterly report and understanding how they were making money at the end of the day. Um and I was just instantly hooked. I thought this was the best job in the world and people who get to study companies all day are really really lucky. Okay, ma'am. Uh so here's the second question I want to ask. Ma'am, uh when it comes to investing, uh what is your investing philosophy? My investing philosophy is really it comes down to quality characteristics. So, I start off by looking at Porter's five forces. 
that's number one. I need to understand how the company operates. If I don't understand how the company operates, then I'm generally not interested. I want to understand if the company has an economic moat. And furthermore, I want to see that it's being priced at a discount. So I'm not going to go in at a really high valuation for a company that's just flying off the chain um, with crazy crazy earnings. That's not something I look for. I kind of look for um, hidden diamonds in the rough. Um, I'm really trying to find those hidden opportunities and that's what excites me at the end of the day. Um, so I would say I'm a mix between quality and value. If you were to put an investing style on me, every once in a while I do like the growth, growthier um, stocks. But I will only buy the growthier stocks if it's trading at a discount at a reasonable price. So that's really known as growth at reasonable price, GARP, and that's um, done really, really well recently um, and has been beneficial to many investors. Okay. Uh, so if a beginner wants to start investing, so why uh, for him, uh, while choosing companies, uh, what should be the basic research he should do first? I think number one is you want to go onto the company's page, go to their investor relations page, and just basically dive into their 10K, which is their annual report. As much as it seems daunting, that's going to tell you what the company does, what businesses they hold, what they've acquired recently, who their suppliers are, you know, who they typically rely on to operate it's also going to show you their financial ratios so i think if you're somebody who's brand new to investing number one is just digging into the company's website and understanding what they do um as silly as that sounds it could be really complicated just because you know amazon sells products online that's not all that Amazon does, Amazon's a really big company, they actually make most of their money from their um, cloud business. So you really wanna dig into the company's website and understand fully all the different ways that they could possibly make money on their investor relations page. And then from there, I would say you, you know, slowly start to read books to understand the basics of financial reporting and analysis um that's just my historic viewpoint on it but everybody's a little bit different i mean you can be a completely qualitative person and just look at the you know quality characteristics and not look at the numbers there are people like that but i think you have to understand the qualitative to understand the quantitative and pairing the two is really powerful um, so if you're somebody who's brand new, I would just say try to get to the heart of what the company actually does and how they make money. Number two is you should be reading the news every day. I do a morning brief every morning and I do this because when I first started to learn about investing, I read the Wall Street Journal every morning. And then once podcasts became more mainstream, I have my favorite investment podcast that I listen to religiously every morning. So I think there's a couple of podcasts that I are, think are great for beginners. Robin Hood Snacks does a really great job about breaking down the financial news in a relatable fashion. 
especially if you're somebody who's brand new and you don't understand what certain things mean. Um, those would just be my main takeaways and tips. Okay. Uh, so, uh, in investing or choosing companies, uh, there's always saying like you should uh, first read companies uh, five to ten years their background or their track record. Uh, but for the undervalued companies, uh, which is mainly basically the new upcoming startups, uh, it's kind of a speculative when you want to in- invest. So, uh, what I don't say like strategies, but uh, what what kind of things uh, you keep in mind while investing in such companies because it's gonna be a speculation. So, what kind of things you should keep in mind while investing in those undervalued companies? There's a lot to keep in mind when investing in undervalued companies. You don't want to get into a value trap and you don't want to get into a company that's just really, really struggling and not getting out of it, basically. So I always look at their debt levels and what's called their covenants. So if a company has covenants tied to their debt that they've taken out and they breach those covenants, they can potentially go into more debt. So. I'm always looking at that in the notes of the annual report and trying to ensure, okay, are their debt levels sustainable? So you will look at liquidity ratios for the company, and you can even find liquidity ratios on Yahoo Finance. They break it down in a really nice, concise way um, if you just wanted to do a quick screen of a company. And you can see, okay, like, do they have debt? Is their debt outweighing their equity? and what is the long-term potential for this company now there's a couple ways you can tie this in to looking at the profitability of a company if they are you know executing and increasing profitability year over year and they seem to be pretty consistent that's beneficial and it's hopeful and you also want to look into the management team and see okay where has this entrepreneur worked before have they been successful before or have they not that'll help weigh on your bat a little bit more because if it's a brand new entrepreneur this is their first business it's a little bit harder to evaluate because you don't have execution from a prior company to weigh yourself on and to say wow they took this company from x amount to y amount and they've made it so profitable they'll do it again with the next one so it is a lot of speculation But it is a lot of putting in factors from prior examples, maybe a prior company that that entrepreneur flipped um, and and adding that to your model. Yes. Uh, So here I want to ask next, Uh, when it comes to investing, like uh, firstly, should you make multiple income sources first and then start investing in stocks or or market or should you just start investing i'll give you just a context about this because uh, when you have multiple income sources ma'am uh, you can uh, invest more but for making multiple income sources uh, it, it's gonna it will make it re, it, it needs time like uh, because it can take five years or it can maybe it can take 10 years or for the second aspect of just starting investing now uh, because uh, because you have only one or two income sources it's maybe your job or your self-employment or your business so 
what do you what do you recommend should we uh, first build multiple income sources first and then in start investing and just jump into investing on your one income source or two income sources I think building multiple income sources is definitely ideal in an entrepreneur's thing but I also think building multiple income sources comes hand in hand with investing so when you're investing in a stock some stocks pay dividends those dividends act as income stream for you and it's money that accrues while you sleep so i think you should start investing you know as young as possible and practice i think practicing investing you learn the most from that and the younger you start the better and the more equipped you are however with that being said not everybody is in the same financial position. So, if you are someone who has debt or, you know, maybe you're trying to pay that off first, I definitely recommend doing that because your risk tolerance is different when you're tied to debt. So, if you have high debt loads and you have to pay off a bunch of things, I would focus on a game plan for getting rid of that. Um, but as you're doing that, you know, keep the spending habits and budget yourself and put whether it be a dollar you can put as little as a dollar into a brokerage account and just have the cash build till you're ready to act on an investment that you like um i think developing saving habits whether you're doing either of those things is beneficial no matter what and investing is is a habit if you don't start doing that when you have a little bit of money It's going to be really hard when you have a lot of money because when you have money going into your checking account and you're used to spending it, spending it, spending it, that's a hard habit to break. But if you the second money hits your checking account, you take 5% of that and you put that into a brokerage and you don't touch it, that becomes habitual after a couple of months. And once you set that when you're young, it'll set you up for great success as you're older. okay uh so as they always says like uh you should always buy f- when it's pessimist pessimist or you, you all you should always says when it's optimist but i want to ask uh because uh when your companies are really doing goods uh, and your stocks are high your companies you know, so should like uh, should you, is it uh because you gonna sell your high growing stocks and you gonna buy the uh, undervalued companies so what do you recommend like should we uh, should you sell your highest growing high growing stocks and invest in those stocks which are not doing good right now it really depends so if you have a stock and it's really appreciated to the most that you think it's can that you think it possibly can and it's hit full capacity then you're going to want to divest that asset and sell it and look for a new opportunity but some people are of the mindset they don't sell till they find a new opportunity that seems suitable um other investors like Warren Buffett for example he keeps a lot in cash if it's not an investment that he you know thinks he should be holding right now it's appreciated too much and he doesn't have a replacement for it he a large portion of his portfolios in cash and a lot of people have that mindset because if they can't find anything why put the money to work other investors look at that 
and they're like oh you should never do that you should always be putting it in something to generate alpha and you know have it grow potentially so i'm of the mindset that if i have a good stock and it's appreciated a lot but i still think there's runway i'm not going to get rid of it just because it's appreciated a lot um i'll reevaluate where it stands because if from what i valued it 12 months ago that may have changed the story may have changed they could have new assets that they didn't have last year um so that's the fun thing about investing is it's always changing um and in terms of adding cheaper assets i wouldn't add something just for the sake of it being cheap if i see it's cheap but the debt levels are really high the management isn't really great i'm gonna stay away from that i'm not gonna risk putting my money there there's certain things that i look at and debt levels are one of the things that really um they're hard for me to get around and get comfortable with because i try to think how long a company can operate if worst case scenario like covid-19 happens and they can't open their stores um and that begins to get really grim and i don't think anybody expected that a couple months ago but that is worst case and you do have to downside protect yourself a little bit okay uh so for the uh, industry rising ma'am uh the last five years shows about the esports or maybe i should say the gaming industries uh in last five years the gaming industry has like blown up you, you can say fortnite the pubgs the main investors like uh, the big gurus uh, gary v also he he's gone into uh, in uh, esports industry he's just made a contract with buga so do you think the uh, gaming industries uh, for investing purposes kindly undervalued i did not check if they have their ipos or not so if they have their ipos uh, so uh, is uh, is investing in gaming industries good right now gaming industries are about because you have to bet that a lot of people not every state in the us legalizes some um, uh, like gaming so by gaming do you mean like um like the gambling apps or more so the video games uh no not on the gambling side uh, like if they have their ipos uh, let's say like the other companies if they launch their ipos in the market mm-hmm. so on the investing side in the companies if they want to go. yeah so ipos i mean ipos get tricky because When you're looking at an IPO, you don't have as much detail as a company that's been established and around for longer. So, when they first come out, the financials are limited. Um and your visibility on what they've done before is much smaller. It's also depends on how they come out to the market. So, a traditional IPO using an investment bank and most of the time the people backing that and funding it have a certain time period before they have to sell their shares. And IPOs will shoot up and then when the holding period ends for the insiders to have to sell their shares, they um they cut down and they sell them and then the IPO drops. So it's really hard to see what those companies are actually valued. There's very few IPOs that I've ever invested in just because I'm not comfortable with the amount that's out there. The only IPO I've ever invested in is Spotify. 
Um, and that's because I really like Spotify. I think they have a lot going for them. And like you said, this the podcasting market is a growing market, and I saw a lot of potential there. But for gaming, I'm not a big gamer, so I can't really say whether that's the space to be in. I definitely think there's potential, but um, I wouldn't call myself an expert in the gaming industry. Um, what recently happened with Fortnite and the Apple Store was pretty interesting. Um, and it's, it is a cool area, but with that being said, for IPOs, I tend to wait at least like two quarterly calls before I get into them. So I'll give them two quarters to prove themselves, and then that gives me more bandwidth to judge how they've been doing. And even then, that's a really short period of time to kind of give you historics on how the company is. Um, IPOs are risky. They're riskier, and you have to really believe in the long-term mission of the company, because most fail. Um, another IPO that I've liked is Revolve Clothing. So those are the only two where I can say, you know, I ended up being a benefit and, you know, but I waited. I didn't do it exactly when the IPOs came out. I gave it two quarterly reports before I put my money to work and I'm still up a lot. Um, yes, a lot of people have FOMO, fear of missing out, and you don't want to miss out on that opportunity and get it when it's really, really cheap. But I tend to be more patient, I'll wait, and I'll wait to see how they're doing, um, to protect the downside of my portfolio. Okay. Uh, so for beginner, uh, what should be the portfolio do do you recommend? It really depends on the person, so I would say if you're new to investing, just get your feet wet, start saving cash, open up a brokerage account, start reading the financial news every day and podcasts that, you know, can be beneficial to you, and just go from there. I mean, being diversified is also helpful, but there's people who believe the complete opposite, so index funds are great because you get diversified holdings and you know passive exposure most of the time to the market sometimes index funds can be active um so for example the s&p 500 which tracks the 500 largest companies in the united states that has a board of directors that decides what goes in and out of that so they're even though it's an index it is kind of active because they do have people behind deciding what goes in and out um index funds are great tools i would say but i also think just investing in what you know there's a lot of power in just being patient and picking companies you're generally interested in and you want to read about and pick those companies because those companies are the ones that you're going to continue reading about you want to see how they're growing and you're going to be a true stakeholder. You're not only going to be a shareholder. So shareholders are people who invest their wealth in a company and they have partial ownership. But stakeholders are people who have general interest in the long-term success of a company. So I think when you're doing that, you're more invested. You have, you know, more of a head on what is going on with the company. And you generally want to know and you want to read the reports and you you're curious 
I I don't like it when people invest in just anything to get exposure and they don't fully understand it. Um, I think it's there's power behind being patient, saving your money, and even if you can't afford something at the moment, just wait for that opportunity to arise and slowly build your portfolio over time. Some of the best professional portfolio managers in the world have very small portfolios of only 20 stocks. Granted, they're professionals, they can execute on that, but there's power behind that. Uh, So for the industry, uh, as the audio industry will be rising in next five years or maybe next decades and the I think next uh, this decade or next two decades are going to be for the VR companies because many big industries are many big companies are investing in VR companies. So do you think the dot com dot com bubble is coming back because as the industry is shifting from YouTube to TikTok, and now maybe the next thing audio and maybe the next thing the VR. So do you think the dot com bubble is gonna come back? I don't think so. Um, I think VR is definitely an area that's rising and it's great. You're seeing innovation in that area. Apple has purchased VR companies. So I think if I'm going to be skeptical or, you know, push anything out there, I think Apple will certainly go in that direction and it's a growing market. Um, However, I don't necessarily think it's so much so of a dot-com bubble feel. It's hard to see where the bubble is in this case. I mean, the market's so overvalued, but it's overvalued in just about every sector of the economy besides energy. <laughs> so <laughs> it's one of those things where it's it's a there was a big market sell-off in March. That was a great buying opportunity for many investors. But now everything is so overvalued and, and heightened. I don't it's hard to say. I don't think it's so much so a dot-com bubble feel. I just think the way that we're living is different. We are, we're relying on technology more than we ever did before. Yeah. So this this is the, all the questions about investing. Now I want to ask about your book. So uh, first of all, to give an audience just context, what uh, what is your book or what will be it about? And uh, what's an inspiration or motivation behind it to write that book? Yeah, sure thing. So my book is called Stock Explore. It follows Ellie, a curious young seven-year-old girl um, who wants to know about her first stock and Sam the Owl who teaches her. And she acquires five superpowers throughout this journey. Um, oh. Yeah, so it's it's really fun. She's on an exploration and she's becoming a stock was on her first stock ever and through this journey the the stock is related to baking cookies or soccer practice because i think as kids we're just naturally competitive and we have a competitive spirit but that can tie into how a business operates businesses have to be competitive businesses rely on suppliers to some extent so it is a general qualitative overview of what you should understand about your first stock on the basic level. Um, I think it's great because my main inspiration behind Ellie was I based Ellie off of me because I want more young girls to feel like they can go into investing too. 
Um, there's not nearly enough women in this industry. Secondly, financial literacy is an area that is lacking, I think, everywhere. I think most education systems could be better with it. So instead of just complaining about it, I'm giving people a tool and hopefully Stock Explorer will be the first book of the series. My main inspiration behind it, um, I was, I've wanted to write a book for a really long time. Um, I was frustrated about the lack of females in the industry. I was frustrated that you know, I couldn't have a co- basic conversation with someone on why they liked the stock that they liked. Um, because once you get into this and you're really passionate about it, that's all you want to talk about. Um, so that was one of my frustrations. And I just thought, you know, a lot of professionals make investing seem like a magic trick. So why not flip the narrative and teach kids through fictional storytelling and magic. Um, I think these are basic skills that anybody can learn if you break it down in a relatable fashion. And we don't need to use so many technical terms um, to mask things. So I'm hoping Stock Explorer encourages more people and kids um, to learn about investing. And just my main inspiration behind it, I was honestly, I think creativity comes in waves and I was sitting in traffic under the Lincoln Tunnel Bridge and I thought of it just randomly um, in the back of my friend's car and I wrote it all down in my notes and I was like, this is a good way to explain it to kids. And then I at first thought, I was like, this is silly. I showed it to my mom who is a kindergarten teacher and she's taught K through 12 my whole life. And she's like, no, this is really cute and it's fun and it's a good read for kids. And then I just kind of went from there. Having a mom who is a teacher is definitely helpful. Um, But with that being said, I just really wanted to encourage A, more women to get into the business, B, financial literacy overall. So the book is for anyone, but Ellie is a girl for for a reason. Uh, So it's kind of a mix of the, uh, the, what what can, what we can see. Uh, the fun fun thing and also learning investing yeah so I think it's just I want kids to see how fun learning investing is and the basics of investing is just understanding a business and understanding a business I mean it goes back to the innate nature of being a kid kids want to be the best you would want to own a business that strives to be the best so I think it it's a good read, it's a fun read, and it's all qualitative. So a lot of people think like, oh, I need to be really good at math to understand investing. And I purposely made this book all qualitative so people can break that myth. Because just reading about a company is beneficial and understanding their story is so fun and so creative. Um, And being able to basically predict what that looks like in the future is a skill set and kids have the best eyes for that i mean most of big big investors today started investing when they were 11 years old so i think there's power behind it and more people should have the resources to start when they're younger um to make it a level playing field okay so uh, as you ma- mentioned, the 
in the book the alisa girl uh, who who's starting her adventure in uh, he uh, she gets the superpowers for investing and the financial literacy so financial literacy so why it is ma'am why it is important to to teach your children or the youngsters the financial literacy why it is so important i think it's important for kids to know financial literacy early on because your saving habit should start as early as possible when you learn that as a kid and you learn how valuable it is and how much work it takes your financial decisions are much more apparent later on you have a lot of people going to college nowadays going to an immense amount of debt and not fully understanding what that means and i think if you're financially literate earlier in life you will have better context behind that and not only that you'll have more money for your future you'll be saving i mean if i started investing in the companies i started investing at 18 when i was 7 or 11 years old i forget, i mean you would be in a totally different arena and giving kids the bandwidth for that is is really important um i also think making it a fun story completely changes how they view finance there's so many movies on investing that make the financial industry seem like a boys club and a cruel place to work and i don't want people to feel that way i mean most companies are really great and the people you work with are your friends and everyone's pretty nice and especially in in stock picking you just have a general interest to learn and finding more kids who are excited about that and want to read about a stock story I want to spark that interest early on and I think it's it's really crucial. Okay so uh, what will what will be the launch date ma'am and uh, is it just coming in hard copy or ebook or is it also going to be the in audible way audible way? So all of that is available there's an ebook there's a soft copy and a hard copy on Amazon the launch of it so I'm starting my Kickstarter for people to pre-buy copies. um all over the world the first week of September and I'll be sure to share a link on my stock explore page and with all my followers right when that happens and for every book purchased on Kickstarter I will be donating a book to one of our charity partners Kids Need Treat in Spirica so kids in other areas who may not be able to purchase the book receive the book as a gift um and the books should be available um for delivery in November. So right now we're just wrapping up the final illustration stages of Stock Explore and then I can send it out to the Amazon Kindle Direct Publishing for um you know release which is really great. Um I'm really excited. I've been working on this for a couple years now. I wrote the book I want to say 2 years ago and this past year I really just gone full swing in um production and learning about um the book writing process. So September, the first week of September will be when people can pre-order copies. Okay. Uh so podcast, uh this is all for today. I hope you have a great time and you will get a ton of value and ton of knowledge from today's podcast and please kindly check out the Kickstarter book as it's going to release it will be really helpful to you and 
thank you ma'am for being on the show it was an honor to have you on show oh thank you so much you you were my first podcast so oh. i am honored <laughs> thank you so much <laughs>